Welcome to the podcast ministry of Pilgrim Baptist Church. Wherever you're listening from, welcome. We pray that the truth from the Word of God speaks to your heart during today's message. Herod and this Easter celebration, and of course Herod was not celebrating the resurrection of Christ. No pagan would do that. But he was celebrating the resurrection, and I believe it was the uh, pagan god Ishtar, the celebration of the resurrection of Tammuz. And so we talked about that. So if you go back and listen to that message, it kind of is a good spot to pick. We're picking it up from there is what I'm saying. And we talked about Semiramis, who was the goddess queen of heaven, and how Easter is governed by the phase of the moon. And so that's why the date changes. Um, it's it's based on that. And Easter goes by a lot of different names, Ishtar, uh, Astarte, Ashtoreth. All of those refer to the same goddess, queen of heaven. And Jeremiah, the prophet in, Jer- in, in chapter number 44, he's God's prophet and he is warning of Israel's rebellion. And watch what we see in Jeremiah 44 and verse number 15. The Bible says, then all the men which knew that their wives had burned incense unto other gods. You're in a bad situation, fellas, if your wives are burning incense to other gods. That's a bad place to be. And all the women that stood by, a great multitude, even in the even all the people that dwelt in the land of Egypt and Pathros answered Jeremiah saying, as the word that thou hast spoken unto us is in the name of the Lord, we will not hearken unto thee. Sounds like the ladies wouldn't listen to their husbands, <laughs> even if they did say something. But they're not listening to Jeremiah, which is why Lamentations comes after that book, by the way. But verse 17, we will certainly do whatsoever thing goeth forth out of our own mouth. To burn incense unto, here it is, the queen of heaven. And to pour out drink offerings unto her as we have done. We and our fathers, our kings and our princes in the cities of Judah and in the streets of Jerusalem. For then we had, had we plenty of victuals and were well and saw no evil. But since we left off to burn incense to the queen of heaven and to pour out drink offerings unto her. We have wanted all things and have been consumed by the sword and by famine. Last verse that we'll read is 19. And when we burned incense to the queen of heaven and poured out drink offerings unto her, did we make her cakes to worship her and pour out drink offerings unto her without our men? Remember, we're going to return to uh, make her cakes to worship her. We're going to return to that. But the, the message that we're going to title tonight is uh, Easter symbolism. Where do we get all of these things that pop up in today's world? I'd like to start with um, Lent. Now, if you were brought up as a Roman Catholic or you have been brought up in any type of traditional religion, you might have heard this term Lent. It was directly borrowed from the worship of the Babylonian goddess of Ishtar. Lent was a 40-day fast 
And it was a 40-day fast to honor not the Son of God, but to honor the Son. This 40-day fast they did leading up to their celebration of Easter. Every year there was a 40-day period. It was a 40-day period of sorrow that happened right before the anniversary of Tammuz's death. Some even call this time, this Lent time, this 40-day period, some even call it the month of Tammuz. And you could not eat meat. Do you know why you couldn't eat meat? Remember we told the story, Semiramis of Ishtar, Ishtar told the story that Tammuz was, was killed. Uh, well, there's a story that's also told because you have to remember all of the, these festivals, these pagan festivals, they follow the cycles of the seasons, winter, spring, summer, fall. So the earth is always dying in the winter and then it's regenerating in the spring. And you have this constant cycle of death and resurrection. Winter death, now spring resurrection. So Tammuz is always being regenerated. Tammuz is always being resurrected. So Semiramis would tell the story that Tammuz was killed by a wild pig. And both the wild pig and Tammuz, they go to the false sun god, which we all know is uh, the false son, God, the father, Baal, false God. And this wild pig, which, well, well let me back up a minute. Because this wild pit, pig that killed Tammuz, anybody want to guess where the pig's blood ended up or where Tammuz's blood ended up spilling on? A stump. A stump off of, uh, of an evergreen tree. And after Tammuz's blood was spilled on the stump of an evergreen tree, guess what you came out and saw the next day? A completely regenerated evergreen tree. Yeah, that's where they get that. That's why that tree is so sacred to the pagans. Because Tammuz was killed by the wild pig and, and his blood dripped on that stump of that evergreen tree and then it grew back. But during this Lent time, during this 40 day of fasting, you were to worship Tammuz. You were to meditate on him. Matter of fact, you were even called upon to make a tea over your heart for Tammuz. T kind of looks like a cross, doesn't it? You ever see those? They make the signs of the cross and they have the symbolism that they do. So this time was a time for pagans to memorialize and to fast by not eating meat because their God was supposedly killed by a wild pig. And so now they're praying and they're meditating over this. They're making this tea over their heart. Go to 1 Timothy 4. First Timothy chapter 4, verse number 1. 
Now the Spirit speaketh expressly that in the latter times some shall depart from the faith, giving heed to seducing spirits and doctrines of devils. Well, let's find out what those doctrines of devils are. Speaking lies and hypocrisy, that's one. Having their conscience seared with a hot iron. Forgetting the, forbidding to marry, that's one. And here's another one. And commanding to abstain from meats. You get into a situation where you're being told to abstain from meats. You got yourself a problem. You got some doctrines of devils. You don't want to eat meat. That's fine. You got your reasons for doing it. I just hope it's not because it's in worship to a pagan God. That's where all of that comes from. That entire time was to show homage to the worship of the Babylonian God Ishtar. It was a fast to honor the sun, the sun god. Jeremiah 7. You make the sign of the T for Tammuz. Jeremiah 7. We're going to see what we saw in verse 44. We're going to see a repeat of something. Jeremiah 7. Get verse number 16. Jeremiah 7 verse number 16. Therefore, pray not thou for this people, neither lift up cry nor prayer for them, neither make intercession to me, for I will not hear thee. Seest thou not what they do in the cities of Judah and the streets of Jerusalem? The children gather wood, and the fathers kindle the fire, and the women knead their dough to make cakes to the queen of heaven. You know what they're making? This Lent time, and they're making this sign of, of tea over their hearts to, to memorize, memorialize Tammuz. You know what else they're doing? Baking cakes. That's where you get your hot cross buns. That's where you get it associated with this time and this season. They're making that tea over that cake. It's all meant to worship. I'm telling you, Jeremiah 7 and Jeremiah 44 Spell it out. This nation was in idolatry. And what are their women doing? They're making cakes to the queen of heaven. And to pour out drink offerings unto other gods. That they may provoke me to anger. Do they provoke me to anger, saith the Lord? Do they not provoke themselves to the confusion of their own faces? Therefore, thus saith the Lord God. Behold, mine anger and my fury shall be poured out upon this place, upon men and upon beasts and upon trees of the field and upon the fruit of the ground, and it shall burn and shall not be quenched. Thus saith the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, put your, put your burnt offerings under your sacrifices and eat flesh. For I speak not unto your fathers, nor command them in the day that I brought them out of the land of Egypt concerning burnt offerings and sacrifices. They're making cakes to the queen of heaven. That's where you get your hot cross buns. That's a symbol of Ishtar's festival. It's Ishtar's Sunday. It's celebrated with rabbits and eggs and hot cross buns. And of course, what's the big meal? The Easter ham. Why? 
because by the time you're done memorializing Tammuz, he is now resurrected. And, and that, that all of that has to do with he was killed by a wild pig. So we have that big Easter ham. We talked about this earlier, how the date is always shifting. The sun dies at winter. Now the sun is regenerated or resurrected in the spring. We talked about earlier this morning how the Easter egg or the egg, Queen Ishtar, the queen of heaven, quote unquote, is hatched from. And there's some diabolical things that happen during this time. Look at verse number 31 in Jeremiah 7. Look at this. It's diabolical evil things. And they have built the high places of Tophet, which is in the valley of the son of Hinnom, to burn their sons and their daughters in the fire, which I commanded them not. Neither came it into my heart. How something so wicked and so vile can come into somebody's heart and mind is beyond the prophet of God. And it should beyond, be beyond any Christian to even imagine that. Yet you just read what mothers and fathers are doing to their sons and daughters, all in the name of Babylonian pagan worship. During this 40-day of Lent, babies were sacrificed. Ishtar's eggs would then be dipped in the blood of the sacrificed babies. It was as a, for, a fertility rite to resurrect or regenerate Tammuz to life, the sun god. And that's where they got dying eggs. Don't tell me you're painting your egg red to remember the blood of Jesus. They were dipped in blood. It was wicked, diabolical, satanic activities that were taking place. Anybody want to guess when the eggs would hatch? Well, let's see. April. We got nine months. May, June, July, August, September, October. Bingo. Month number nine, December. And now you've got a resurrecting from that egg dipped in sacrificed baby's blood. And not only that, all of the fornication that took place during that time, all of the vile sexual acts that took place during that time. Count nine months again. You got April to December. You know what you have being born? Babies out of all that fornication that took place in the spring during that festival. It was all pagan. It was all pagan. Be thankful that we worship the living God. And that we're not involved in families that are involved in those things. Because there are families and there are people that are involved in those things.
Most people don't know these things. We're discussing them here so that you have the information and you can digest the information and research the information on your own. But this whole idea that this idea of Lent leading up to Ishtar's day, oh, it led up to, it, it led up to Ishtar's day, all right. And there was a lot of, lot of vile things happening. The whole idea of the rabbit was a symbol of fertility. It was a symbol of fertility in many, many nations. The Egyptian symbol of fertility in Germany, it was called the Easter hare. Um, they brought good eggs and sweet treats to the good children the same way that Santa would do in the winter. And by the way, when you see the, uh, the fornicator, Hugh Hefner, who was just apparently, I mean, he's already dead, dropped into hell if he didn't trust Christ. And you know what the symbol was that he used? A rabbit. Whole organization built on fornication around a rabbit as the icon. Wicked stuff. Wicked stuff. Let me say to you tonight, without apology, we will never have an egg hunt here in the name of Jesus and in the name of bringing people in. Never! We're going to preach the word of God and we're going to give people the truth of the word of God. And if you want an egg hunt, go to one of these carnival churches where you're not going to hear truth. And I mean that because these pagan festivals just mess people up. And they're more in love with they're more in love with all these things than they are with God. All right, let's move on. Ezekiel. Flip forward, you'll come through the book of Lamentations. And then if you keep flipping forward, you'll come to the book of Ezekiel. And we'll look in Ezekiel chapter number eight. Ezekiel chapter number eight. We will look at the sunrise service. Ezekiel chapter number eight. Look what it says in verse number 13. Ezekiel chapter eight, verse number 13. He said also unto me, turn ye, turn thee yet again, and thou shalt see greater abominations that they do. Then he brought me to the door of the gate of the Lord's house, which was toward the north. And behold, there sat women weeping for Tammuz. Wouldn't listen to their husbands, not listen to the prophet. They're baking bread. They're making cakes. And they're weeping for Tammuz. For 40 days. They're memorializing and thinking about this. Verse 15. Then said he unto me. Hast thou seen this O son of man? Turn thee yet again. And thou shalt see greater abominations than these. And he brought me into. The inner court of the Lord's house. And behold. At the temple. At the door of the temple of the Lord. Between the porch and the altar were about five and twenty men with their backs toward the temple of the Lord and their faces toward the east, and they worshiped the sun toward the east. People criticize the King James Bible and say, well, Easter shouldn't be there. That's a mistranslation. 
as they celebrate a sunrise service, which you couldn't miss in Ezekiel chapter number eight, it's pretty clear that what is what is involved here is a pagan idolatrous worship of the sun. You couldn't miss it. Look at verse number 14. Where is it taking place? Then he brought me to the door of the gate of the Lord's house, which was toward the north. Behold, there sat women weeping for Tammuz. The death, oh, the death of her son Tammuz. And the women are emulating this. It shows how deeply, deeply affected the women were. And I would imagine still are. Women are more emotional than men. I was going to say men are more logical, but that don't, uh, yeah, I'm not too logical in a lot of stuff myself, so that don't kind of quite fit. But you know what I'm saying? They're weeping. When's Tammuz going to come back? God forbid a Christian mother says, God forbid a Christian husband says to the mother, you know what? Says to his wife, you know what? We're not going to have uh, Easter bunny celebrations and egg hunts. <laughs> At the doorstep of the church house. Oh, my little Johnny, he's not going to be able to have a Cadbury egg. Weeping. No eggs, no Easter bunny. You imagine these women at the temple just weeping and crying over some false sun god? They won't be at the foot of the doorstep, they'll be on Facebook slamming the preacher and slamming their husband for telling them to quit it with the Easter bunny dress up, to quit it with the Easter egg hiding and egg hunts. And you mean to tell me that Christ rose from the dead? The good news of the gospel is being proclaimed. You have victory over death. Your sins have been forgiven. You have eternal life. Your past, which was so wretched and so vile, and all of the sins that you've committed are now under the blood. And I know. Let's hide some eggs. That's what we'll do for fun. <laughs> How about we do what we talked about this morning? Go. Let's go and tell someone about the good news of Jesus. Verse number 17, then he said unto me, hast thou seen this, O son of man? Is it a light thing to the house of Judah that they that they commit the abominations which they commit here? For they have filled the land with violence and have returned to provoke me to anger. And lo, they put the branch through their nose. Where are the men when the Lord's being provoked to anger? Look at verse 12. I'll tell you where they are. 
they're a bunch of cowardly hypocrites. Watch what it says in verse 12. Then said he unto me, son of man, hast thou seen what the ancients of the house of Israel do in the dark? Every man in the chambers of his imagery. For they say, the Lord seeth us not. The Lord hath forsaken the earth. They're hiding. Leaders have a responsibility. And by hiding in the dark, <laughs> you're not being a good leader. And, it, and what it does is it allows people to fall deeper and deeper and deeper into diabolical sin. I've said this before. If you haven't heard it, I'll say it again. A leader knows the way, goes the way, and shows the way. You don't hide in the dark. You want to be a leader when you grow up? That's what you got to be able to do. Come out of the dark. <laughs> you got to know the way, show the way, and go the way. And I'm telling you, on the authority of the word of God, I know the way. Jesus Christ is the way. And I'm going to go and tell the way. Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. And I'm going to show others how to do it. And you know what I'm asking you to do? The same thing. Take somebody under your wing and show them how to know the way, go the way, and show the way. That's what they've got. No responsibility. Verse number 16, let's return to that. The end of the verse, and their faces toward the east, and they worship the sun toward the east. These celebrations that take place, sunrise on Easter morning, had nothing to do with the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. They honor the sun that God made. Aren't we told not to worship the creation? They are worshiping and honoring the son that God made. They're not worshiping and honoring the son of God. That's what's going on in Ezekiel. It's a complete mockery and a flipping of upside. It just flips it upside down. It's a mockery of the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. What is Satan a master at? Satan is a master deceiver. His game plan is deception. Go over to 1 Timothy. Instead of the men hiding out in the closet in the dark, they should have been over where what the ladies are at the temple when they're weeping over Tammuz, talking some sense into them. 1 Timothy chapter 2, look at verse number 13. For Adam was first formed, then Eve. And Adam was not deceived, but the woman being deceived was in the transgression. I'm not trying to say this to be negative or, or, or come down on women at all. But Adam wasn't deceived. The Bible says the woman being deceived. If the men would have stepped up and the men would have done what they were supposed to do, they could have saved a lot of trouble. Men have to step up in their homes. Men have to step up in the churches. Men have to step up in their community. Men have to lead the way so that the women don't get, don't end up weeping over Tammuz, really. He's a master deceiver. You lead in the right way, you're going to save people from a life filled with idolatry. The Bible says in Ephesians 5, let no man deceive you with vain words. For because of these things cometh the wrath of God upon the children of disobedience. You would never, you would never accept somebody taking a beer can 
and slapping on a John 3.16 verse and saying, see, this is Christian. How about it? You wouldn't buy that for a minute. Yet they do it with these pagan festivals, and we buy it hook, line, and sinker. One of the men came here, or I came in here with a carton of cigarettes, and I, you know, I put some Bible verses on it like it's a little tract. You know, nothing wrong with it. It's, it's Christian now. You'd laugh me out of here. I'd laugh you out of here if you tried to do that. It's just that cigarettes and beer aren't near and dear to your heart. But an egg hunt is. The Easter bunny coming into the church house is. Easter bunny comes into the church house here. It's rabbit season. <laughs> we're, we're, we're hunting. <laughs> We're hunting for wabbit. <laughs> boy, oh boy. Boy, oh boy. All right. Any of you heard of Ash Wednesday? Let's 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 kick that one. <laughs> All right, Ash Wednesday, it's a pagan tradition of putting ashes on your forehead. And it was right before this Lent period, this 40 day of fasting. And if get you're in Jeremiah, I hope still, or if not, go back, get Jeremiah six. Anytime you saw people in the Bible found in ashes. It signified deep grief and sorrow, and it signified repentance before God. That's what it signified. Look at Jeremiah chapter number six, verse number 26. Jeremiah 6, 26. O daughter of my people, gird thee with sackcloth and wallow thyself in ashes. Make thee mourning as for an only son, most bitter lamentation for the spoilers shall suddenly come upon us. What I want you to get out of that is anytime you see people in ashes, they're mourning there. In Job 2, it says, and he took him a potsherd to scrape himself with all, and he sat down among the ashes. Look at Luke chapter number 10. We'll do one more, and then we'll make some comment. Luke chapter number 10. Verse 13. Luke 10, 13. We'll do one from the New Testament. Luke 10, verse 13, woe unto thee, Chorazin, woe unto thee, Bethsaida, for if the mighty works had been done in Tyre and Sidon, which have been done in you, they had a great while ago repented, sitting in sackcloth and ashes. You see people and ashes showing up in the Bible. It's always deep grief and deep repentance toward God. This idea of Ash Wednesday, it, 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 it was a way to ensure protection. And in the Nordic pagan religion, one way to ensure protection uh, came from the Norse god of, called Odin. And this laying of ashes was done on, guess what day? Ash Wednesday. 
You remember what we talked about way back about all the days when we went through um, the stuff a while back? What was Wednesday? Wednesday was Odin's day, Wooden's day, Wednesday. That was Odin's day. Hence the term Ash Wednesday. That's why it was done on that day. One of Odin's name was also Yggdrasil. Ig. It's spelled Y-G-G, the first three letters, but it's pronounced Ig for short. And there's an Yggdrasil tree. We talked about this before, and it's an immense, you know what type of tree? Ash tree. That's Odin's tree. Who he was said, he's a, he's a pagan god, but he was said to have sacrificed himself on that tree, that Yggdrasil tree, which was a giant ash tree. And they considered it to be very, very holy. So this North Norse practice became known as Ash Wednesday. And they drew upon this, all of these pagan festivals, it's all interlocked. It was drawn from the Vedic Indian religion and their fire god, Igni, which sounds like Yggdrasil. Ig, short for, was another name for Odin. So this fire god, Igni, Igni. And the ashes were believed to be the seed of Igni, which was the Indian fire god. Now. If you haven't spoken to anyone who's called, who's been saved out of any of these Indian religions, these Hinduism or this Vedic, um, Vedic and Hinduism, the Vedas, all of that is comes from Indian religion. They have more gods than you can keep track of. They have more festivals than you can keep track of. But this is where that came from. And it's where the Latins use the word, uh, the word they use for fire, ignis. That's where that word came from in Latin. And it's our root word where we get ignite and ignition. That Indian fire god, Igni. He was believed to have the authority to forgive sins. The ashes were believed to be symbolic for the purifying blood of the Vedic God, which is said to have the power to cleanse you from your sin. Well, at least for that season. Until you got to do it again next season. You say that's weird. I know. You say who would believe that? Apparently a lot of people believe it. In Job 2, in Jeremiah 6, and in Luke 10. They did not mark their little. They didn't mark ashes on their forehead. And they didn't pretend to have some type of repentance. Or deep grief or sorrow. No. It was deep sorrow and deep grief. And deep repentance. Before God. The marking of the cross on the forehead. Is a pagan superstition. And a man made tradition. And you want to know why. The Ash Wednesday. And the repentance. And, and, and the forgiveness of sins. That you would be cleansed by. From this God. You know why that was important. Oh do you know why that was important. Because what came before Wednesday? Tuesday for all you homeschoolers. Tuesday comes before Wednesday. 
And you know what they celebrated? Fat Tuesday. You know what Fat Tuesday was? It was a day to get fat on sin. And then you would go Wednesday and act like you had some type of repentance or some type of deep grief or sorrow for all of the vile acts that you did. And you send it up on Fat Tuesday and you got your little your little ashes on. So you can prepare yourself now to go into this 40 days of fasting, not eating any meat during this time of quote unquote Lent. All of it has absolutely nothing to do with the God of the Bible. It has everything to do with the false Babylonian goddess and gods that want to get your eyes off the Lord Jesus Christ. Why was the forehead chosen for ashes? Because in this Vedic Indian religion and in Hinduism and those types of religions, they mark between their eyes. That mark on the forehead with, with sacred ashes, they believed the third eye chakra was very important to them. That third eye, that was the gate. When they put that mark on them, that was the gate to higher consciousness. That third eye was the that was the symbolism that that symbolized this entering into this state of enlightenment. You say, who would do that? Millions of people do it. Millions of people do it. Ash Wednesday did not come from the Bible. It came from pagan religions. I'm here to tell you this, morning, this, this evening that spring comes from God. God created the seasons. Psalm 147, the Bible says, Who covereth the heaven with clouds, who prepareth rain for the earth, who maketh grass to grow upon the mountains. Lent and the hot cross buns and the Easter eggs and the Easter hams and the sunrise services and the Ash Wednesdays and the Fat Tuesdays. We don't have time to get into Mardi Gras and the, the Easter lilies. And the, we'll do that next year. But we got enough information to know that. I know these things aren't talked about a lot. We try to talk about them here so that you have more information than just the same rehash sermons on tithing and salvation and then some more tithing and then some more salvation. And look, we need, were you here this morning at 11? Do we make Christ known? Do we let anybody know that if they need a savior, he's inviting them and calling them to come to him? We did. But you're here on a Sunday night. You're the serious crowd. You can handle this. Say, Brother Jimmy, I don't I don't know if I agree with all of that. It's okay. You take the information home. You pray about it. You digest it on your own before God. But let's finish in Ephesians 4. Ephesians chapter number four, we will finish there. 
Bible says in verse number one, I therefore the prisoner of the Lord beseech you that you walk worthy of the vocation wherewith you're called. I want you to walk worthy. I want to walk worthy of the Lord. With all lowliness and meekness, with long suffering, forbearing one another in love. When another Christian tells you, yeah, we went on an egg hunt, and we had the Easter bunny over and we sat on the Easter bunny's lap and we had, you know, the baskets and, and all that. And don't, 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 don't go after him. Have the spirit of long suffering and forbearing and loneliness and meekness. Because that will help you and I to walk worthy of what we're called. Don't look at another Christian that might do something that you don't do regarding these holidays and think that they're of the devil or some type of Satan worshiper. They're not. They love the Lord. They've trusted him as their savior. And they're doing the best that they know how to do based on the information they have. Yeah, well, I told them and they still don't. I know. Just like you've been told stuff and you still do. And just like I've been told stuff and I still do. We need to walk lowly. And verse number three says, endeavoring to keep the unity of the spirit in the bond of peace. I had someone say to me last year, you know, I'm just not where you're at with with some of this stuff around the holidays. And I said, brother, that's OK. That's OK. I'm not telling you you have to or else. I'm just trying to open up the Bible, give you some additional information to really think about and chew on. I said, but it's OK. It's all right. The New Testament church isn't about everybody seeing eye to eye on with you on every single thing. We got some major stuff we need to be in agreement with. <laughs> we really do. But I'm not going after anybody because they put a basket up in their living room. And I'm not. I get to know them. I make fun of them and they might make fun of me. And Okay, that's fine. But honestly. But honestly, what does it say in verse four? There is one body, one spirit, even as you're called, one hope of your calling, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and father of all who is above all. And through all. And in you all. <laughs> I guess if you're southern, you say y'all. You know what that means? Whatever you decide to do at Easter, whatever you decide to do with Christmas, whatever you decide to do with Valentine's, whatever you decide to do with Earth Day, whatever you decide to do. There's so many of them now you can't even keep track of them. It honestly is none of my business. If you're saved, Christ is in you. And he's in me. And he is above all of that. He's above the best argument that I can come up with to not do it. And he's above the best argument that someone else can come up with to do it. And I've got friends and they preach and they're men of God and they know the Bible. And they may do some stuff regarding the holidays and I'll make fun of them and they'll make fun of me. Why? Because there's one body, one spirit, one Lord, one faith, one baptism. And we're all endeavoring to keep the unity of the spirit and the bond of peace. And if I go to their church and they got a, a Christmas tree up, I'm not going to tear it down. 
well, I'll wait till everybody leaves and then I will. <laughs> no. You know what? And if they, if they come here, they're not going to go set one up. Now they might wait till I leave. What am I saying? I'm saying, look, it's serious to me. I've got convictions about it. I believe I've got Bible to back it up. I really do. But there's something and there's someone higher, higher than all that. And we see that in Ephesians chapter number four, the Lord. We get our eyes on him and we won't fight and bicker about. Thank you for listening to the podcast ministry of Pilgrim Baptist Church. We look forward to seeing you in the next episode. In the meantime, you can sign up for our email newsletter at www.pilgrimbaptist.church.